Good morning, everyone. Welcome. Glad you're here today. It's good to see everybody here and uh, to gather together and worship in the name of the Lord. We welcome everyone and hope that God's going to bless you in a special way today. We welcome our, our guests, especially this morning, and uh, hope that you'll feel very much a part of our family this morning, and, uh, and uh, we're glad that you are here. We'd like to ask everyone, if you would, to take the attendance sheets on each row and uh, fill it out. As, and give us as much information as you feel comfortable giving us. But if, especially if you would like to receive our email newsletter, please put your email address on there, and, um, and we'll get you on the list for that. Uh, it's a good way to keep up with the activities here at Community Baptist Church. And we have a number of activities going on here at Community Baptist Church. Next week, we will be having our church picnic uh, that's next Sunday. Immediately after the worship service, we'll be uh, uh, taking off and going down to the brain injury camp, and that's where we'll be meeting our Presbyterian brothers and sisters from the Presbyterian Church and sharing in fellowship and food with them. And uh, I hope that you can join us for that event. That's a fun day. Don't worry about the weather. I got that taken care of. Um, <laughs> It's going to be a beautiful, beautiful day next Sunday because we are joining together and, and fellowshipping together. Uh, we are providing the meat, but what, what we ask for you to do is to bring a side dish. Bring a salad, a dessert, a vegetable, something like that, a side dish, and we will uh, enjoy that time together. Uh, also, we have Upward that's coming up. Our Upward uh, season is beginning this week on um, uh, on Tuesday, we have practices starting, and on Saturday, we have our first games. And Christine, I think you have a, an announcement about that. I'm filling in this morning for Sybil and uh, for John. Um, Sybil is, in, is our concession, um, what's the word? Commissioner. Commissioner this year, and we need volunteers for the concession stand. So she gave me her volunteer sign-up sheet. For the whole season. Uh, right now, I still need two more volunteers in the morning from 9 to 11.30, and I need four volunteers in the afternoon from 9 to, I mean, I'm sorry, from 11.30 to 2 to work in the concession. Uh, my husband, John, he, has, he is our setup and cleanup commissioner this year, but his shutdown at work fell on the first two weeks of Upward. So I have got the setup covered for Friday, but I still need three or four more people to help with cleanup on Saturday around 1.30, if you could be here around 1.30. And basically with cleanup, we got to pick up all the chairs, we got to mop the floors, we do some vacuuming. There's quite a bit to be cleaned up, so then Michelle can come in here and get everything set up for church on uh, Sunday. Uh, Matt said we've got referees covered for this Saturday. What did you say we still needed? Anything? We're good? Okay, so we're good in other areas. And I got approximately 135 kids registered for Upward this year. So this is a great opportunity to, to just come on Saturday and just visit with some of our families and watch some of the kids play. It's, it's really an exciting time. So if you can volunteer, just see me after church. Thank you. How are we set for scholarship? You still need something? Okay, we, we also need some scholarships. We still need some scholarships to cover uh, uh, some of the students that could not uh, pay the full amount for themselves. And so if you would like to contribute uh, some money for those, 
uh, we would certainly appreciate that as well. I have a couple of other things coming up. Uh, looking forward to next month to the first weekend in October, we have the Highway 60 yard sale that goes 200 miles along Highway 60. And uh, we will be participating in that. Uh, we won't be doing it like last year down at the corner. We're going to move it inside right here. That way we don't have to worry about the rain. And we'll be having uh, food. I think the youth are planning a car wash that day. And so this is going to be an all-service thing. What you can do to help with that is clean out your closet and bring your stuff here. And we will get it priced and we will get it sold. That's the first thing you can do. The second thing you can do, volunteer to come and help on, the, on that weekend. And the third thing you can do is come and buy somebody else's stuff. <laughs> because all of that money uh, is, it goes towards our mission projects. So, and so we would uh, certainly appreciate that. And, and speaking of that, uh, we just had a very successful Sureway fundraiser uh, Friday and Saturday. And I am so grateful for all of, all of you folks that helped to make that a success by selling tickets and by volunteering uh, your, your time and your energy out there. And it was a lot of time and a lot of energy. I tell you what, if you were there Friday about 11 or 11.30 or 11 or 10.30, 11, 11.30, man, we were just going like crazy. But we, uh, we grossed somewhere around 20, almost $3,000, almost $3,000. And we don't know what the, uh, the expenses are that will be out of that, but uh, it was a very good weekend, folks. And that also is going towards our mission project, so we are grateful for that. Um, one other thing, I uh, just wanted to let you know, in, in case you haven't uh, heard, that Vince Davis passed away this weekend. And uh, most of you have probably heard that. The funeral will be tomorrow at 1 o'clock at Rudy Rowland Funeral Home. They're having visitation this afternoon. And so keep uh, Fritz and Mira and their family in your prayers. Let's stand and let's greet each other in the name of the Lord.
responsive reading. O Lord, forgive us when we fail to respond to your call with faith. Through your spirit, we stand in assurance of your acceptance. Forgive us when we are shackled by our narrow understanding of discipleship and our clouded sense of purpose. Through your spirit, we are drawn to the illumination of our love. Forgive us when we are frightened of the future or pull back from the demand of your calling. Through your spirit, we will trust you to lead us into new opportunities. Forgive us when we fail to sense your presence in our past, to acknowledge your grace in the present, and to trust you for our future. Through your spirit, we offer ourselves in discipleship. O oh God, it seems that we are coming to you often to ask for your forgiveness for this or that. May we be free with our forgiveness of others as you are with us. Amen. Good morning. morning. I'm sorry if I sound horrible. I I think I caught a cold. Um, This morning, um, Dr. Hobbs was nice enough to let me come and speak about Habitat a little bit. Um, I think most of you know, some of you may not. um, I recently became the new executive director for Habitat in Henderson, and so um, I'm doing what I call a church speaking tour. Um, just to kind of get the churches um, more involved in Habitat again 
and just kind of let people know what Habitat is in general. Um, the first thing I'd like to do is have you guys watch a really small video um, that I think will be a good start to what I have to talk about. I've never seen a diamond in the flat. I cut my teeth on wedding rings in the movies. And I'm not proud of my address. In the torn up town, no postcode envy. But every song's like old teeth, gray goose tripping in the bathroom. Trash in the hotel room, we don't care We're driving Cadillacs in our dreams But everybody's like crystal made back Diamonds on your timepiece, jet planes, islands Tigers on a gold leash, we don't care We aren't caught up in your love affair And we'll never be royal It's a running our blood The Cadillacs is safe for us Create a different kind of vibe. Let me be your ruler. ruler. You can call me King B. Baby, Let me live that fantasy. In the video, I'd like to take credit for it, but it was actually made by the Huffington Post. Um, they have many videos out there. Um, they did a whole series over homelessness. Um, the reason I like to show that video before I speak is I think a lot of people, um, you know, don't understand that sometimes homeless people do have jobs. Um, you know, they do have degrees. It's just that they've fallen on hard times. Um, at Habitat, we also consider homelessness to be if someone is living in um, substandard housing or maybe you know if too many people are living in one house so there's many forms of homelessness besides what I traditionally thought before I joined Habitat which was just someone you know that just lived on the streets and um, so we help a lot of different varieties of families um, Habitat is not a handout it's just a hand up what we do is we're able to provide um, loans at zero percent interest to these, to these families um, so they're paying us back just what their house costs them, you know, not the extra um, loan interest. So um, as Dr. Hobbs said in one of his um, sermons, and I think it sums up a lot of our families, a lot of times their circumstances overcome their confidence. And Habitat, at Habitat, we try to help them to uh, give them that little hand up, you know, and show them that good, hardworking people in Henderson, there is hope out there, um, you know, to have a better life for them and their families and their children as well. Um, a little background on Habitat. Um, the concept of Habitat actually grew out of, and I'm probably going to butcher the name of this farm. Cornelio. Thank you. <laughs> Cornelio Farm, he says. Uh, it was a small interracial Christian community outside of America's Georgia, which is also where the Habitat International office is. And it was founded in 1942 by a farmer and biblical scholar, Clarence Jordan. Some of you have probably heard of him. Um, a family named the Fullers, they visited this farm. 
and they were very affluent. They had come out of Atlanta, and they um, decided that they wanted to give up their affluent lifestyle and live um, more for Christ and do mission work. And they visited in 1965. Um, Whenever they came, they felt that they were being called to help start this Habitat project. Of course, it wasn't called Habitat at first. Um, Jordan and Fuller developed the concept of partnership housing. The concept centered on those in need of an adequate shelter, working side-by-side with volunteers, which is the basic concept of Habitat today. And Habitat still runs today on something we call the Fund for Humanity. It's where houses are built at no profit and interest would not be charged on the loans. The revolving fund is called the Fund for Humanity. So when I build a house for one family and they start paying, then that money is again recycled to build for another family. So um, the one in Henderson actually started in 1991. It was just started by concerned citizens, and uh, the ministerial committee had a a little hand in that as well. Um, Another man that I always like to mention, um, his name is Ken Middleton. I'm not sure if any of you know him. Susie Middleton is um, his wife. um, Ken has since passed away, but Ken is one reason that we have the ReStore in town which helps us to build even more homes. So I always like to mention Ken because of the many years of work that he's done for Habitat. Um, With Habitat, the reason that I wanted to join, um, I joined the race committee where they do the 5K and the fundraising, and uh, I got to meet some of the wonderful, wonderful volunteers, and I thought, man, this is a lot of fun. And so then when the executive directorship opened up, I thought, I'll just throw my hat in the ring and see what happened. Um, and uh, by the grace of God, you know, he decided that this is where he wanted to put me at this time. Um, right after I started, we finished our home for um, the Hogans, and so they were my very first family. And the Hogans, um, their name were Kay and Sandra Hogan. I'm sorry, Kay and Timothy Hogan. She goes by Sandra and Kay, so I always get her name confused. Um, We built for them on Meadow Street. They have adopted four of their grandchildren, and they're raising all four of them. And um, whenever we uh, did their house dedication, I wasn't really sure what to expect. You know, I'd never really been to one where I was the main person speaking. And so I got up there, and I spoke, and then we asked him if he wanted to speak. And when he got up, he just cried and cried and cried, and he said, Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for helping my family. And then when we opened the house up, we let everybody go into the houses so that they can, you know, see how a Habitat house is built. And the community is a, is a big help in building them. And the little boy, he said, I want to show everyone my room. And he ran back, and he had painted his room in John Deere. Uh, half, the, half the wall is yellow and half of it's green. And the volunteers had all helped him, and they, had, uh, they were still looking for John Deere border, but he was just so excited. And he saw... Um, One of my board members recently, she said she was out on a farm, and his other grandmother lives there. And she said, he said, do you remember me? And she said, yes, I do. And he said, we just love our house. My room's just the best thing ever. So, um, you know, we we feel great when we're able to not only help the adults in the family, but also the children, because we give them a safe, decent place to grow up and a good place to call home, you know, some place that they'll always remember. Um, What I wanted to talk about today was a few ways that you guys could get involved if you wanted to. Um, You know, we have ways 
well beyond um, taking money out of your pocket. I mean, you're always welcome to do that if you wish. But um, I wanted to tell you a couple other ways that I wasn't aware of before I joined Habitat. Um, And one thing I do want to let you know, once you start doing things with Habitat, we're very infectious. So you're not going to want to leave. You're going to want to keep doing more and more and more. That's what happened to me. Like I said, I did the race, and then I did this, and I did that, and and, uh, just kind of gets in your system. Um, One of the things you can do is you can donate land. Um, We are able to build on substandard lots, especially in town, because the codes department has reworked the codes in the Audubon area, and also on the East End, we're trying to work with the East End project. So if you know of anyone who has a substandard lot, which usually means it'd be more of a shotgun home, um, they're always welcome to give us a call and we can give them a tax write-off for that land donation. Um, Another thing that you can do is volunteer. You know, we um, will take anyone at any time to do anything. If you think of something creative, it's probably somewhere we can use you. Um, Some things that I need currently are people to help me write thank you letters, which you could always do from your home. Um, You know, we need volunteers at the ReStore, of course, to help build the homes. And then we have a couple fundraisers every year, too. Um, One program that we pair with is called RSVP. They um, try to get anyone over 55 involved in their community. And I didn't know about them until I joined Habitat. So if you're one of those people and you want to talk about RSVP a little bit more, what they will do is they will reimburse you for your mileage if you come and help us at Habitat. So it helps keep people involved and helps them, but it also helps us at the same time. And I I probably have 15 volunteers from there right now. Um, Like we said, you can donate at the ReStore. It's in between Cancun and the Dodge Store. And um, we do pick up. So I brought tons of cards for you guys. If anybody has anything laying around um, that you don't want to bring to the yard sale, or we can bring a truck after the yard sale. Um, so, and like I said, we, we do pick up. Um, you can bring it in. We give you a tax receipt for it. Um, another thing that we have going on is our fundraisers. Um, we have a fundraiser called the Holiday Pops, which is where the Owensboro Symphony pairs with us, and they come out to do um, a big show. It's on December 13th, and we do a silent auction as well. So if you would um, like to reserve your ticket for that, you can speak with me on that. And we also will be auctioning off, I'm sorry, not auctioning, raffling off a barn, a yard barn. So those raffle tickets will be $20 a piece, and the barn is about $1,200 or $1,300 value. So um, if you're interested in that, let me know. Um, And that does include our delivery and everything else. My my barn guys will get you taken care of. Um, Our our other fundraiser is the 5K, of course, which we do downtown during the Tri-Fest. At the Pops, we try to have about 20 volunteers. At the 5K, we need about 100 volunteers because we use them to to section off the streets for people. So um, one other creative thing that people have started doing is called Cars for Habitat. What you can do if you've got an old junker in your yard and you just need to get rid of it, as long as it has four inflated tires, you call Habitat Affiliate and they will come and pick it up and do everything else for you. And then they give us a check back for the, for the car, whether it goes to auction or it is uh, scrapped. So I think that's a really neat thing. I personally have a junker in my, in my yard right now, so I'm probably going to partake in that. Um, one of the, the last things I wanted to say is um, the Habitat in Henderson wouldn't be where it is today if we hadn't 
looked at new, innovative, creative ways to get involved. So if you or a group that you're part of know of any creative ways to get involved or any creative ways to help Habitat, please give me a call. I'm willing to listen to any ideas because I feel that, you know, me and my few staff members, we can come up with a few ideas, but if the community as a whole kind of comes together, um, then the ideas they come up with are a lot bigger than anything I could ever do on my own. So um, I thank you guys for letting me come and speak a little bit about Habitat. Um, the other thing I wanted to tell you is at Habitat, um, we count our blessings each and every day because we are ran by volunteers and donated money. And um, when I first started the song, count your blessings, name them one by one, count your many blessings, see what God has done. That song just kept going over and over in my head. I'm not going to sing it for you, though. <laughs> um, but what I wanted to highlight while I was here today is one of the blessings that Habitat um, was given, and that is actually Dr. Hobbs. Dr. Hobbs was a board member for us, and he also you know, just helped in different ways um, when he came to town. And so I actually have a hammer to present to Dr. Hobbs. <laughs> And the hammer is our symbol of our ultimate volunteer. So um, anytime you see a hammer um, anywhere around town, that means that that person has given tirelessly to Habitat. And uh, we do thank you very, very much. So thank you for letting me speak. I hope I didn't bore you guys to death. Three forty one. Our scripture for today is from first book in the New Testament, book of Matthew, chapter 18, verses 21 to 35. Read along with me. 
silently, if you wish. Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? A question. Jesus said to him, not seven times, but I tell you 77 times. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle his accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. And as he could not pay it, his Lord ordered, ordered him to be sold, together with his wife and children and all his possessions, with payment to be made. So the slave fell then on his knees before him, saying, Have patience with me. I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the Lord of that slave released him and forgave him the debt. But that same slave, as he went out, came then upon one of his fellow slaves, who owed him a hundred denarii, and seizing him by the throat, he said, Pay what you owe me. Then his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. But he refused. Then he went and threw him into prison until he would pay the debt. When his fellow slaves then saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their Lord all that had taken place. Then his Lord summoned him and said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his Lord handed him over then to be tortured until he would pay his entire debt. So my heavenly Father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your own heart. children's moment. You know why? Because we're talking about forgiveness today. Do you all forgive me for sitting on the microphone? Thank you. Did you hear that, Gracie? What did John say? He said no. That wasn't very nice. Well, you know what? When I was looking at the uh, scripture and, well, the scripture and the song uh, that Mr. Deal, he was doing the scripture and the song. When we were singing that song, how many people saw the word forgive said, Gorgiven? Anybody notice that? You know why? 
Jake, we forgive you because I know that Jake and Nathaniel and Kurt were at band last night until after 1 o'clock in the morning, and they have to come in and do media shout in the mornings here. So we forgive you for misspelling a word because we're proud of what you do. Um, Also, there's a lot of things that happen in your homes that maybe sometimes you have to forgive each other. Does anybody have anything they would like to... Oh! (laughs) Is it supposed to be like that? We're... We'll talk about that at home. (laughs) Uh, I've lost my train of thought completely. Uh, Okay, I guess I should forgive. I mean, Jake should forgive me for doing that. Um, Okay, let's get back to children's moment. I've completely lost my train of thought here. Okay, can anybody tell me an example in their house where they've had to say, I'm sorry? Has anybody ever done anything to you and hurt your feelings and then they had to say, I'm sorry? Wow, your homes must be perfect. Not that way in our house, because you know what? Bob Crafton stopped me this morning, and he said, I heard you call John, John a name at your house. You think John will forgive me? He won't? Sarah? Okay, well, let me tell you. Okay, we got to hurry up, because we're already running late. Okay, today we're going to talk about forgiveness up in children's worship. Forgiveness, okay, because we all need to learn how to forgive, because... From now on, people are going to do some ugly stuff to you, and you've got to forgive them. And just like Mr. Deal said in his scripture, Jesus wants to forgive people not seven times, but 77 times. And you know what happens to us if we don't forgive? What's this? Apples. How many of you like apples? Yeah, me too. You do? Well, I don't have enough apples today, but Neva, I'll give you something else. Okay, but you know what happens to our heart? Our heart's just like an apple. And you know what? If we don't forgive people, you know what happens to this apple? I could eat it like this, and it would be really good. My heart would be really juicy and pure. Or I can do this. If somebody does something mean to me, and I pour on some salt, and somebody else does something mean to me pour on some more salt, and, and then John calls me a name, and I pour on some more salt, and then Jake gets mad at me for calling him out in front of the whole church, and then I pour, pour on some more salt. Okay, here, Gracie, you want to try this? Want to try No? That's what's going to happen to our hearts if we don't forgive people. Our heart's going to get really, really bitter, and we won't enjoy life anymore. Does that make sense? All right, let's say a word of prayer, and we'll go up to children's worship. Before we pray, remember I promised some of you we'd have a new room to go to, and our new room is up in that corner, so we're not going to walk this way, because that was too long, and that made my legs hurt. We're going to go up these stairs, and we're going to go to our first new room. Okay? You ready to pray? Oh, Lord, you are so great. Your forgiveness is perfect. Let us learn from you. Help us forgive others as you forgive us. Amen. All right. Let's all stand on this one. Stretch those legs out.
be in that backpack. something like this. And I appreciate it. And I may fall apart, but I'll try not to. Let's pray, shall we? Our Father, thank you for today. 
thank you for money to help other people who are less fortunate than we are. We pray that you will bless the gift and the giver. And we couldn't pray without remembering Fritz. We pray that you will hold her in the whole all over your hand as she goes through this hard time. Forgive us of our duties that we don't do. In Christ's name, amen. I'm sure everybody has experienced um, in their life a time when a, a loved one in their family, their mother, their grandma, uh, someone has uh, talked to them while they're in the garden working. 
That's what this song is about. I know that my Cindy uh, was good about that. She liked to preach to the kids while she was working in the, in the flower garden. So um, this, this song is called Soul of Mercy. garden grow Let's till the soil and pull some weeds and here's your bag of precious seeds cause grandma's got a secret you should know You always reap exactly what you sow so mercy, so grace, so kindness, so faith. Words are like water sprinkled with love. You will harvest all your hearts. Been dreaming of so mercy. We knelt right there, and she took my hand. That patch of dirt was holy land, and she says, Child, I learned this long ago. Bless or curse, you can live or die. You choose the crop you want in life. That's the greatest secret Grandma knows. You always reap exactly what you sow. So mercy. So. goes around 
comes back around, you know. You always reap exactly what you sow. So mercy, so so much. What a wonderful, wonderful song that is, and great advice for all of us. And I should just sit down right now, because that's my sermon. Um, Sowing mercy and sowing grace as we have been shown mercy and grace. But you know I'm not going to sit down, and we're going to do this. (laughs) Old Joe was was dying, and for years he had been at odds with Bill, uh, formerly one of his best friends, and, and, and wanting to straighten things out, he sent word for Bill to come see him. And so when Bill arrived, Joe, Joe told him that he was afraid to go into eternity with such bad feelings between them, and then very reluctantly and with great effort, Joe apologized for the things that he had said and done. And he also assured Bill that he forgave him for his offenses. Everything seemed fine. Everything seemed to be covered and, and, and was, was good here until Bill turned to leave. Because as he walked out of the room, Joe called out to him and said, Now just remember, if I get better, this doesn't count. <laughs> In our lesson for today, Simon Peter asked Jesus, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? As many as seven? And Jesus said, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Now, this is an amazing teaching if you think about it. Some versions translate it as 77 times. And other versions translate it as 70 times seven times. 
And whichever translation is correct, what Jesus seems to be saying here is that forgiveness should be an unlimited resource in our lives. But that's not easy to do, is it? Doesn't Jesus realize how hard that is? Well, of course he does. I mean, think about it. Can you imagine how difficult it was for him as he hung on that cross to forgive those who put him there? And to forgive those who taunted him while he was there? Can you imagine how hard it was for him to forgive everyone who has ever betrayed him, including you and me? Jesus taught unlimited forgiveness. And Jesus practiced unlimited forgiveness. And as he did that, he taught us three very important things about forgiveness. And the first thing that he taught us was that forgiveness is possible. And folks, you and I need to know that. I want you to notice I didn't say that it was easy. It's not easy, but it's possible. My friends, we don't have to be slaves to our resentment and our anger. Christ can deliver us from that. Christ can set us free from that. That beautiful old saint of God, uh, Corey Ten Boom, once told about being haunted by a wrong that had been done against her at some point in her life. And, and she had forgiven that person, but she just kept rehashing the incident over and over in her mind, and, and it kept her awake at night. And so finally, Corey cried out to God for help in, in putting this problem to rest, and, and God answered her prayer by sending her a, a kindly old pastor to whom Corey confessed that she had been going without sleep because she, she just couldn't put this incident out of her mind. So her pastor made a simple suggestion. He said, up in the church tower, there's a bell. And that bell is rung by pulling on a rope. But you know what he said? He said, after you let go of that rope, the bell keeps on ringing. First ding, and then dong, and then ding, and then dong, and slower and slower until there's finally one last dong, and it quits. He said, that's the way it is with forgiveness. When we forgive, we take our hands off of the rope, but if we've been tugging at our grievances for a while, we can't be surprised if the angry old thoughts keep coming up. They're just the dings and the dongs of the old bell slowing down. And that's exact, that was exactly the advice that, that Corey needed. She said there, are, there were a few more midnight reverberations, a couple of dings and a couple of dongs when the subject came up in my mind, but the force which was my willingness in the matter had gone out of them. And they came less and less often. And then finally, they stopped altogether. Maybe there is some incident from your past, some hurt, some slight that was done to you. And maybe it's still reverberating in your heart. But folks, let me tell you something. If you ask God for help, forgiveness is possible. You don't have to let that haunt you forever. Forever. 
C.S. Lewis wrote about a teacher who brutalized him as a young boy, and he grew up hating this teacher. And then later in life, when he became a follower of Christ, Lewis realized that he needed to forgive this teacher if he was going to be able to, to move on with his relationship with God. But he said every time he tried to forgive this teacher, he just couldn't do it. The bitterness was so great, he just couldn't do it. And so finally he resolved to just say the words, I forgive you every day, whether he felt like it or not, whether he felt the forgiveness in his heart or not. not, He said, I'm just going to say the words every day. He would just say those words, I forgive you. And then something began to happen. He said, each time I said those words, another stone was removed from the wall of bitterness that I had built until finally one day I came to realize that the wall was no longer there. So you see, forgiveness is possible. You don't have to be a slave to your emotions. Don't let those emotions, that resentment smolder. Let it go. There's a second thing that we can learn from our passage today. And that is that forgiveness is not only possible, it is highly desirable. My friends, the damage that we do to ourselves through our unresolved anger and resentment is far more deadly than any damage that we are likely to inflict on on those who have hurt us. So why keep on hammering away at ourselves? I should... Grab that hammer over there. Why should we keep on hammering away at ourselves? I mean, when we hate someone, anyone, it's, it's kind of like burning down our own house to get rid of the rats. You know? There's a famous story, a short story that deals with this subject. It's called A Piece of String. It tells about a peasant in Normandy named Matre. Uh, who, he, who simply could not forgive. And it seems that, that while he was walking through the marketplace one day, he spied a piece of, of string on the ground, and so he stooped down to pick it up, and he put it in his pocket. Well, several people saw him doing this, and so he was later accused of having found a wallet that was lost at about the same location. And, of course, he protested vigorously, but he was taken to the police station nonetheless. And he even showed them the piece of string that he had picked up, but they didn't believe him. But the next day, the wallet was found, and the whole episode was forgotten. Forgotten, that is, to everyone except for him. He just couldn't let it go. He kept brooding about the injustice of being falsely accused. He complained to everyone he met about the the manner in which he had been insulted. That piece of string became the sole occupant of, of his mind. His farm was neglected. His family was neglected. And the venom of self-pity slowly began to destroy him. Even as an old man, unable to forgive, he died of a broken heart after complaining to the very end about that piece of string. My friends, the fact is that a lack of forgiveness, it can just tear us apart. It can tear us apart inside. It's 
It's so bad for us. E. Stanley Jones, that great missionary, once noted that a rattlesnake, if cornered, will sometimes become so angry that it will bite itself. And that's exactly what harboring hatred and resentment can do. It's kind of like biting ourselves. And we may think that we are harming others by, by holding these negative feelings, but we're, we're really just harming ourselves. Scott Hosey tells about some research on the subject of forgiveness by the Templeton Foundation. This foundation funded a major study on people's attitudes toward forgiveness. And the study found that 75% of Americans are very confident that they have been forgiven by God for their offenses. These are even, these are, this even includes people who are not regular church attenders. Three-quarters of the people surveyed had very few doubts that their slate had been wiped clean by the Almighty. But the picture was not so bright when it came to forgiving others. Only about half of the people surveyed claimed that they were certain that they had forgiven others. So it seems that while God might have been entirely gracious to them, they were either unable or unwilling to be gracious towards others. And it's hard to forgive other people with whom you're angry. It's even hard to forgive yourself sometimes, but when, where forgiveness does take place, the study found a link between forgiveness and better health. The more prone a person is to grant forgiveness, the less likely that person will suffer from stress-related illnesses. And there are a lot of studies that have echoed that same thing. You see, forgiveness is a, a major key to a healthy mind and heart. If you forgive someone who has done you wrong, you'll be able to sleep better at night. If you forgive yourself, you'll be able to sleep better at night. Forgiveness is the best thing that you can do for your body and for your soul. We need to emulate Booker T. Washington who, who said, No person is able to force me so low as to make me hate him. And the Bible says, Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. So the key, of course, is to remember that God has forgiven you. Forgiveness is possible, and forgiveness is desirable. But even beyond that, from the New Testament point of view, forgiveness is essential. My friends, we dare not ask God to forgive our sins if we are not willing to forgive others. Peter Marshall once said, if you hug to yourself any resentment against anyone you destroy the bridge by which God would come to you. After telling Simon Peter to forgive one who has done something wrong to him 77 times, Jesus told a parable. And, and, and really, if you kind of read between the lines, it's a very humorous parable because of the level of exaggeration in it that is there. Jesus told this parable about a man who owed his king 10,000 bags of gold. And folks, this is a lot of money. 
Someone estimated that 10,000 bags of gold today would be worth somewhere around $8 trillion. So we're talking real money here, folks. This is a lot of money. A lot of money here. So Jesus tells about this man who owed the king somewhere around $8 trillion. Someone estimated that if a man were to work 365 days a year, it would take him around 274,000 years to pay it off. So the king was ready to have the man and his wife and his children and all of his possessions sold to go against the debt. But the man begged for more time. And the scriptures tell us the king was so moved with compassion that he completely forgave the debt. Wow. That's mercy. That's grace. What a relief. What joy. But wait. That same man who, who, um, that same man had someone who owed him about a hundred silver coins, a piddling amount, especially compared to all that gold. And do you think he forgave the man who owed him this debt as he was forgiven? Not on your life. He seized his debtor by the throat and he told him to pay up. And when the guy couldn't pay up, he had him thrown into prison. And when the king heard about this, he called the man in and he said, Here I forgave you this huge debt that you owed to me. And you don't forgive this piddling little debt that was owed to you. And folks, Jesus asks that same question of us today. You have been forgiven of every sin you ever committed. You live under the amazing grace which Jesus Christ made possible on the cross of Calvary. So can't you find it in your hearts to forgive others? Remember, Jesus taught us to pray, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. You see, forgiveness is essential. Not only so so that we may be forgiven, but also because forgiveness is an act of redemption. And when we forgive someone who has hurt us, we've not only turned an enemy into a friend, but we witness to the faith that we profess. If someone has sinned against you, the most Christian thing in the world that you can do is to forgive them. So forgiveness is possible. And forgiveness is highly desirable because it is for our own best good as well as for those who have offended us. But even more importantly, forgiveness is essential to our relationship with God and to others. How many times should I forgive my brother or sister when they sin against me, asked Peter. As many as seven times? And Jesus answered, not up to seven times, but 70 times seven. You see, my friends, we forgive others like God has forgiven us. That's what we are called to do. 
That's what sets us apart from the rest of the world. We have received the mercy and the grace of God. And now it is our responsibility and our privilege to sow that mercy and that grace in the lives of people that we meet each day. And especially those who have offended us. You have received mercy. Give mercy. Amen. Let us sing together our closing hymn, number 308, Pass Me Not, O Gentle Savior. Pass me not, O gentle Savior. Let this be the prayer of our hearts. Remind everyone, uh, I, I mentioned earlier about our Sureway fundraiser. We do have a few things left over. We've got about eight or ten chickens and a whole bunch of pork chops. And if you'd like to buy some discount top prices, folks, then go to the kitchen after the, after the worship service and they'll, uh, they'll take care of you. Uh, the deep discounts, so go take care of that. Let us pray. Go from this place, O oh God. Let us go from this place, O oh God, praising you, for you have gained the victory. Let us go from here healed in your spirit, O oh God. Let us go forgiven and redeemed, crowned and satisfied. And as God has treated us, let us treat one another. Amen.